So you guys, it's the top of the hour. We're going to go ahead and get started. We're recording now so that we'll be able to watch this later. So everyone, welcome. Welcome, whether you are here live or watching us in recording. This is the Catholic Homeschool Community Fireside Chat. My name is Maureen Whitman. I am one of the co-founders of the Catholic Homeschool Network, where we bring you conferences and community. I'm really excited about today's fireside chat. Um, we're gonna be talking with my dear friend, Jenny Bales, who I've known a decade or more. And the topic today is how to plan key steps for a successful year. Now, this is a topic that Jenny and I have talked about over the years. And so I'm just here to tell you that she has a lot of really great, practical, easy to implement advice and tools for you. So stay tuned, get your notepad out or come back and watch later with that notepad. In the last fireside chat with Jenny, when was that Jenny? With um, April. Yeah. So they talked about that first step in your homeschool process or planning process, right? Which is how to effectively ponder, really go back and look at what worked, what didn't work step by step. So you can find that ponder fireside chat in the community or at our homeschool, our, um, Catholic Homeschool YouTube channel. So you can go back and review that if you want. Um, You may already be acquainted with Jenny's uh, Big Heart for Homeschool Moms. She is the founder of the blog and Facebook community called Heart of a Mother. And that's where you're going to find her encouraging and connecting mothers in their homeschool journeys. And it really is a beautiful ministry. I've just loved watching it grow over these years. Um, Jenny also has a new business venture, and this is something I'm really excited about. It's called Bloom Mentoring. So Bloom Mentoring is a consulting team that Jenny's put together, and it provides coaching for Catholic homeschool parents who need a little or a lot of extra help with curriculum choices, troubleshooting, um, finding resources for your unique family, just no matter where you are in your homeschool journey and no matter your homeschool style, Bloom Mentoring is, is there to help you. Now, Jenny and her husband live in Texas. They have four children who are eight to 18, and they've always been homeschooled. Jenny's homeschool philosophy is pretty much the same as mine, whatever works. <laughs> With a smattering of literature-based learning, Charlotte Mason and classical elements. Jenny's addicted is addicted to hot tea. I'm sorry, sweet tea, hot, whatever. She likes tea. <laughs> Dark chocolate, red wine, college football, mystery novels. I just finished reading it in Agatha Christie. Jenny, we'll have to talk about that later. <laughs> Jenny cannot resist an opportunity. Trust me, <laughs> I know. Uh, to coordinate a conference, retreat, co-op, book study, social group, or mom's night out. Jenny loves to reflect on all aspects of Catholic homeschooling through the lens of our incredible, beautiful Catholic faith. So welcome, Jenny. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you, Maureen. I'm glad to be here. So Jenny, in the last chat, um, 
you already covered a little bit about what to do before we plan, but can you just really quickly um, kind of review that for us? Of course, of course. Um, as Maureen said, I just, I believe very strongly that it's important to stop and take a breath before we dive into the nitty gritty planning, picking curriculum, writing all the schedules and stuff. Because when I do that, when I take that pause, I make better decisions because I'm really looking at what's best and what is going to be best moving forward. So in the last call, we talked about um, what, how to figure out what's working in your homeschooling and your family, what's not working and where you may have some room for growth. Um, we talked about my survey. That's a helpful tool for going through step-by-step questionnaire on all the things that could possibly impact your homeschooling success. And it's just a really um, important thing to figure out. Why am I doing this? What is the whole purpose here? Uh, before we get caught in which math and which grammar and which literature books and what extracurriculars and all that. Right. So, that's what we talked about was just what do we do before we make all the decisions and how do we gather the information that we need to make good decisions? So laying that groundwork, you know, right. A good, a good foundation to start from because it yeah. is an overwhelming task. So I think doing that helps you break that down, you know, absolutely. so that and, so it can be tackled. Right. And I know Paola wrote a great post and has even a free download on how to do some of those things in a kind of a broader context. And it's all about yeah. praying about your planning and reading and researching and reflecting and doing all of that, like that meaty hard work um, <laughs> before making your lists and before, you know, right. clicking the purchase on the, on the shopping cart. <laughs> yeah. So Paula's article and her um, planning guide can be found in the community and Jay can put that link at some point in the chat box and we can put that in the show notes too. So Jenny, tell us, right. I mean, what exactly is planning? Like what does this all entail? Right. So mo most people think I'm going to plan my homeschool year. So I'm going to write out the lesson plans and I'm going to make all the schedules. And that's definitely what it is. <clears throat> but before talking about those specifics, I like to think about like, why am I planning? What is the whole point here? Because planning is a lot of different things depending on where you are and what you're doing. Some people say planning is guessing, like making a guess of what next year is going to look like. <laughs> right, because we never know, right? We don't, we, we don't. can have the whole school year and then life happens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so guessing yep. is a great, I like and that description. <laughs> you, you can get a month into the year, the perfectly planned year and go, oh, this is not going to work, you know, and you have to, you tried, right. but you have to make adjustments. So it, there's a level of guessing to it. Um, but it's also about goal setting. And that whole, what do we want to accomplish? What is, yeah. what is the plan? Because if you don't have an end goal, it's just kind of a wandering. I've been there, <laughs> you know, you're just wandering through the days. This past year has been a lot of that for a lot of people. Just like, what are we doing? Um, but having that goal, setting some goals and having a, a timeline of where we want to be. Um, and it's that guide that structures our days, gives us the ability to do it on the days we don't really want to do it and know what's coming next and, and look to yeah. the next thing because it's much easier to get through a hard spot when you know what's coming next. And it's much easier to know why I'm doing these really important things so they don't get dropped and you know that they're, they're part of the whole. So it's that guide that kind of helps us move forward through, through homeschooling, I think. Yeah. Um, but most importantly, it's, it's a grace to us and to our children to have a plan. 
when I talk to mamas who just kind of maybe aren't as specific in their plan as they need to be. And, and let me say every family, every mama has to be, has a different level of need of like how detailed their plans need to be. Yeah. But if there's no thinking of it at all, and you're just kind of wandering, it's, I feel like that's a disservice to yourself because it can be stressful and it can be a burden and emotionally hard. And it's, it's, there's so much grace in taking the time to think about what do my kids need? What can I give them? How can I share the world with them in this journey of the coming months? And so giving them that grace of having some structure and some knowing what to expect, knowing what the days are kind of going to look like. Um, I think that's what planning is to me is it's that opportunity to, to do good, to, to love my kids and to teach them and, and have a path. So we need to look at it as an opportunity. We need to come into it with the right state of mind. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do I get started? How do I plan for my curriculum? Um, well, I'm going to say what everybody here's talks about this. going to say, you have to pray about it first. Uh, we have yeah. to spend, you know, God cares about the sparrows and each hair on your head and all the stars. So he's going to care about your homeschooling. And I made a shift in three or four years ago where in my prayer with homeschooling, where I was praying for homeschool, my homeschool, I was hoping God would help me and was begging for help in the hard days. And, but I made a little, I made a shift to asking him to help me make the right decisions on all the little details. And really to say, Lord, is this the path you want us to go on? What is it you need us to do this year? And since doing that and just having that like you said, that attitude, an attitude of prayer in all the steps that I took through my planning process, it changed things. I, I felt more confident, more peace about this is the right thing because I asked God to make this the right thing, you know, and I trust him and I know he will guide me. And, and so I think that's the first thing. Absolutely. Of course, in every endeavor, but I think it's important to, for homeschool moms to really pray about the details, you know, pray about, yeah which curriculum or what time of day. Yeah. He cares about those small details. You know, this makes me think about, uh, I had a friend years ago who would take her planner every Saturday to adoration Mm -hmm. and she would sit in the back of um, the adoration chapel. And she's like, what better place to plan than with Jesus, you know? Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Similarly, I have a friend who taught me that she, in her morning prayers, um, and she was blessed to have some quiet in the morning. And so she would do morning prayers and then she would pull out her planner and she would go through her day and ask the Lord to bless each thing that she was going to do throughout the day. And she told me that not only was it a grace to be able to just trust that the Lord was with her and guiding her through that day, but she also found herself when she was looking at her day in that prayerful attitude, thinking of the things that might go wrong or thinking of the times that would be harder than others that she needed to maybe plan ahead for. And it helped her enter those moments of transition, you know, with kids there, whenever you're going somewhere or you're changing something, it helped her go into those with a better attitude and a realization that, oh, this is, you know, I'm going to let this be God driven. I'm going to let this moment be something that I've thought about it ahead of time. And I have more peace. She just, she talked endlessly about how much peace that brought her. So same thing with planning a whole year, planning a day, planning a year. Um, it's important. You can't 
skip that step. No, <laughs> right. no, I agree. But yeah, um, so, and before like kind of the other steps, I'll share what I do and how I go through that. I think it's important to mention, like I said, that each mom's going to have a different level of need for planning and detail. Mm-hmm. Um, but we all need to sit down and take some time to look it through, to think things through. For example, if you bought a full program with lesson plans and everything laid out for you, you are going to have less lists and writing out to do than someone like me who picks and chooses from different curriculum providers and puts it all together. And I have to write out all the lessons. I don't have lesson plans unless I make them. But there's still a level of looking through those and figuring out what your day is going to look like and how you're going to work with each child and what what they can do independently and what they need you for. And those kinds of details are still important. Well, and even with a a curriculum that's put together for you. So for example, my daughter-in-law's mother, um, they use Seton throughout their homeschool and she would still spend several hours each Saturday kind of planning what each child was going to do. And, um, you know, because sometimes you want to adjust the program for that child or for a child's special needs or, you know, maybe a child's looking ahead or working behind. So there's still some planning, even when it's laid out for you, right? Yes. Yes. And I think that kind of planning yeah, I didn't is- realize that, you know, I'm, I've always planned my own. I just didn't yeah. realize that because I, I had always planned my own. I was surprised to hear how much time she spent planning, even though she used the curriculum. Yeah. Well, and I think that families... Um, will be more successful with any curriculum they choose if they spend some of that time. Um, And time is hard to come by. (laughs) But anything that we can give towards that preparation, that that planning time will make things go more smoothly, will give us more confidence and peace, will give our kids more confidence because mom knows what's happening. I mean, the worst thing is opening the book and saying, okay, kids, this is what we're going to do. Oh, we don't have any of these supplies. (laughs) You know. Right. But the kids look at you like oh. right because even if you are doing a regular curriculum, they will give you a list of supplies and right. And one thing I did in my homeschool is always read, you know, a few weeks ahead of my kids. So, right. So I was reading what they were reading, but a few weeks ahead. So, yeah, when I opened up the book and we're going to do a lesson, I know the material. <laughs> it's not new to me. <laughs> yes. Yes. And now there are seasons. There are seasons in life where we have to do that. And that's okay. And then we just roll with it and we say, well, I guess we're not doing the science experiment today. We'll do it next week. And that's fine because there are seasons with a newborn or seasons with a move or other life circumstances where finding that time to plan um, just or the time to prepare is not going to happen. And so you give yourself grace and mercy and you say, okay, right now it's okay that I just kind of wing it. Um, But it will feel better, of course, if we spend the time planning. And so finding that time to plan is the next kind of thing. yeah, we t- on the seventh day, the Lord rested. He took a break so that he could, you know, rest. And we need times of break as well in in the year. And so, even if you school year round, taking days of professional development is a fun way to call it um, for homeschoolers, or taking the summer break to just spend some time preparing and planning is important. And Throwing the kids in front of a video so you can go through that new math curriculum that you've never used before is fine. Or um, asking your husband to, you know, keep the kids for four hours while you go to a coffee shop and look through the, you know, the syllabus is fine. Those are like, you know, options. I've done all kinds of things. Um, 
One of my favorite ways to get time to plan is to um, plan play dates with friends that are planning dates. And so I'll take my stuff and my kids over to her house and we'll plan while the kids play. And then she'll bring her stuff the next day or next week over to my house and we'll plan while the kids play. Because, you know, they occupy each other. So you, yeah. you, have to get, you can get creative and find the time to sit down and do this if you don't have, you know, maybe you don't have the nap time or the evening time available, like, um, to be able to spend time on it. So, right. But, um, but it is important to spend the time regardless is my, was my bottom line. And, um, and so that's what I do. I've fallen into going to a coffee shop, like several Saturdays in July, just kind of expected. Now my husband knows it's planning time. Right. Mom will be gone and and go through and I go back through the pondering and the, the the stuff we did previously where I reflected on the previous year and looked at what's happening next year and figure out why do I homeschool and what is the purpose moving forward what do I know moving forward um, I have a lot of questions that I ask myself and I'm working on a handout to get that out but it didn't get done quite entirely <laughs> this week yeah um, all the questions I ask myself in the planning process. And so I look at what do I know about this year coming forward? You know, what do my kids need? What do I need? What's going to be perhaps disruptive to our year? If it's a move or, you know, a baby or some other kind of plan. Um, And what do I want out of this year? And figure out, um, you know, where we want to go. Usually I'll pick a priority for each of my kids. I got this idea from Sarah McKinsey where um, this is the year that I want this kid to make the most progress in science or math. Like we, you know, last year we didn't do so great in this area. So this is what I want to do. And I try to pick an academic based um, priority and a, I guess, character or virtue based priority. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's faith based for each kid. And that gives me kind of a way to move forward when I'm picking out my materials. Because as I said, I'm the picker and chooser. Um, and so then I'm going to pick out those materials and you've got these in the chat. Yay. And, um, and get all the materials together. And that takes a good amount of time to figure out what it is I'm using. And sometimes I can do it in April and sometimes I'm still in June 17th and haven't done it yet. <laughs> but uh, it gets done. Um, cause choosing materials is part of planning. You know, it's, it's that first step towards right. making it happen. Right. Um, and you need to know what you're going to be using before you can decide how you're going to use it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you'll find that. So the questionnaire that I use that helps me ponder on the previous year asks a lot of questions about like, what, what would work well for me and my personality and my kid and their personality so that I don't make decisions that are just bad. <laughs> Cause I mean, I've done that. We've all made bad choices and, Oh, we're going to do this. And it, is a flop with the child, but, um, thinking through that ahead of time and then picking out those materials and making my lists and doing all the shopping is fun. And, um, and is, is an important process, but most people, when they think about planning the year are already to that point and they're like, okay, I have the stuff. I know what I'm going to teach. I just don't know how to teach it or how to execute it. Even if they have the preset lesson plans, um, from a company. And so that's where, um, I get all nerdy and get into the nitty gritty of like scheduling and making lists and figuring it all out. Um, and 
I think that um, one really important question to ask is when will I homeschool? And this is another Sarah McKenzie idea, but she wrote a post about having a time budget. And I think it's really, really important to think about when you're talking about how to schedule out your lessons with your kids. And basically it's, you wouldn't, you know, buy a house without a budget. You wouldn't buy a car without a budget. You can't just say, we're going to do all this stuff without knowing how much time you actually have to homeschool. Uh, So starting out with what are the outside of the home activities that we know we're doing, you know, that take up time. What are my kids' nap requirements and how much does that take from me? Um, If the baby needs, you know, settling for the morning nap, then I'm not there for 20, 30 minutes of when would be normally homeschooling and figuring out all those little logistics. Um, Having a husband working from home still, yes, that's me, um, (laughs) is different because there's days when we have to be super quiet and we can't play the videos and do all the music lessons and stuff. So figuring out what time do I have available in my day is my important first step. So I look at the week and look at how many hours I have so that when I start to plug things in, when that I know I have to stop when I run out of time. Right. I mean, do you think that parents usually over plan? I mean, I think maybe yep. we need to give moms permission to say, hey, you can't teach everything. The schools mm-hmm. don't teach everything. The, the kids... Yes right? To create a love of learning so they can continue to learn. Yes. Once they leave our home and cover the important basics. But yeah, how many times I talk to moms all the time, right? Who just beat themselves up because they didn't do everything Mm -hmm. they planned. Yep. It's a hard thing because we feel we do have the immense responsibility of educating our kids for this time. And I think especially in this past year and talking to new homeschoolers, it's a lot um, it's a lot easier to give yourself permission to not do all the things in one day or in one year, even if you're looking to the long homeschooling journey. Right. If you're not sure how long you're homeschooling, that gets harder because you have a little bit more pressure to try to fit stuff in. But like you said earlier, um, you know, you have graduates and you have kids that, you know, you homeschooled all the way through and they, you had plenty of time to do all the things that were important in that season, in that moment. But definitely public schools, private schools, that no school does everything all the time. There are gaps in their education there. My husband runs two charter schools. I just want all you moms out there to know they never finish the textbook. So... (laughs) They don't. It's okay, if you, if it's if it's June and you haven't finished the textbook, go ahead and take your mm-hmm. your summer break. It's okay. Yes. Right. Yes. Aaron asks, um, and I think this kind of fits in. Um, would you let your children know which things you are working on relating to them? So, do, how do you include your children in your planning? Yes, I um, definitely. Once I've done my own reflection and kind of answered all those questions and thought through, what is it that I have identified? Um, I sit down with each kid and we have a little coffee date or ice cream date or whatever it is. And I just ask them questions about the school year, what they liked, what they didn't like, what they would like to do next year and what they see moving forward. As they get older, I get more specific and I'm, you know, I'm asking my high schoolers, which online classes do you want to take? And, you know, which books do you want to use? But I definitely let 
my children know that I hear them and hear what their feedback is and try to help them work through alternatives. They don't get to choose. They still know it's my decision because I'm the parent and the teacher and need to make the best decision for everybody. But definitely I include them and make sure that they know I'm doing what I think is best for them. And so I want to hear their input. A lot of times, you know, they'll complain about something and I'll make several suggestions on doing it differently. And they'll be like, no, 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 I don't want to do that either. And then I'm like, well, this is where we are. And they learn about themselves that way. They learn that sometimes you just have to do the things you don't like to do. Right, right. Like math. Sorry. We always pick on math, I know, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a pet peeve of mine. I majored in math in college. So it makes me crazy when, um, yeah, we won't even go there. That's a whole nother. (laughs) I know, it's another thing. But yeah, I. I never, ever say in front of your children. I hate it, math. Just don't say it. <laughs> yeah, don't say it. Don't say it. No, I think don't, don't, that just cho- yeah. choosing those materials with their with them in mind means talking to them about them and figuring out, you know, um, how they like it. Or if you have a schedule that you've been doing and that and there's a child who doesn't like doing, I don't know, something before lunch or wants to finish at a certain time, then you can talk with them about how to adjust the schedule. And look at the days and say, okay, well then, you know, you get to the teenage years and they want to sleep in. So you might have to compromise and let them start later or, you know, and and come up with a time that works for both of you. So let them, you know, start with their school day. So super important when you're looking at all those things, materials, days and hours, um, and figuring that out. I see Soraya's asking, is it okay if we don't finish a book, try to do here and there a little time during the summer? I think that depends on the child, if they're interested, on if anybody's burnt out on it. Um, You know, the first, most books, the first section is review. I'll review. So it's okay to skip the end because you're going to do it again the next year. Oh, clarify. Um, Oh, this is Erin. Yeah. So on the, uh, doing it over the summer, I think that just depends. I think, Maureen, you have a great perspective on making sure kids love learning yeah, and that we're not beating it into them. And if they hate it and if it's, you know, miserable, but here in Texas, it's way too hot to go outside in the afternoon. And it's a good time to do some filler school things that maybe we didn't get done. Yeah. We we always good like to do, yeah. We always do what we call school light over the summer. So, you know, it's not full on school. I mean, and, and summer is meant for exploring and having fun out in nature and, and reading and, and things like that. But we could, you know, for example, one year we did um, Philip Campbell lectures, like every day we did, like, we didn't do any of the homework, none of that. We just like watched one hour a day and as a family and then talked about it, you know? So maybe if you didn't finish a book and your child has a desire to get that book finished, maybe they, they really want to get that done. Yeah. You could do a little bit over the summer. Why not? And, you know, it's a little bit, it's not a, no pressure, right. you know, um, the goal is to learn. It's, you know, I remember when my kids were little and my mother-in-law would always ask, how do you grade? How do you grade your kids? And I was like, we homeschool for mastery. So I guess they all get an A because <laughs> we don't move in. We don't move on yes. until they've mastered it. So we don't have to, ha- we need to sometimes get out of that mindset of school, you know, and right. into the mindset of education. Absolutely. And let me address what Aaron said with the yeah. group. The virtue. I think that's a really good question because um, I focused more oh, on yeah. the, the academics. 
So my answer to should you share with a child what virtue you want them to work on or you're going to encourage them to work on that year is maybe. It depends on the child. So I have one child in particular that doesn't like to be corrected. And so if I specifically said, this is the thing we're working on, that would cause problems, just resistance right up front. Uh, And so that would be more of a family thing. We're all going to work on being more kind to one another or whatever it is, or we're all going to, you know, work on this. Now, some kids though, if, if I recognize, especially as they get older, you know, when they get into middle school, they need to own up that they've have some weaknesses and that they need to work on those. So I may say, okay, well, you had a hard time this school year from my perspective with getting your work done on time and finishing your schoolwork, you know, in, in the best way. And maybe you need to work on diligence this year. And maybe we need to figure out a plan together that's going to help you improve in that area. And so then we might have a discussion in that regard. Um, because I think it just, it depends on the age. It depends on the personality on how well they can take that kind of correction and how that's going to you know, I always want to reach their heart. I always want to speak to them and connect with them on re- in relationship and, and think about how can we work together to solve whatever this is. And that's going to be different for each kid. Family virtue, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you get that. So um, there was another question up here. Yeah, so Sherry asks, I have a child who has special education needs. Would you just homeschool that child at their ability level or would you consider sending them to school for those needs? So I have a house full of special needs, if you yeah. want me to go with that. Um, sure. So Sherry, one thing I found with homeschooling is homeschooling was really a blessing when it came to special needs. So for example, my oldest child has dyslexia. And so severe dyslexia is very serious. And um, when I took him to public school and he was my oldest child, they told me that he would never read beyond fourth grade level, which was just unacceptable to me. I just knew that had to be wrong. So I did a lot of research and um, connected with the right people. And it was long and hard. It wasn't easy. But the thing is, in school, yes, they have experts with master's degrees, but they don't have the ability to teach one-on-one and give that child the intense um, attention that you know they need but I could do that at home. And so by the time he was 13, he was reading at college level. So it just depends on your child's special needs. I have a daughter with a speech impediment. I did take her to a public school for, to a speech therapist once a week. And they worked with her for 40 minutes. And then they worked with me for 10 minutes and taught me how to work with her. So when I went home, I would and that, you know, between those meetings, I could work with my daughter on her speech. And she graduated from speech therapy in half the time they had expected. So homeschooling can be very, very beneficial. So Sherry, your son has dyslexia. I'm right there with you. So he's reading at second grade level. So you can get your son up to college level, okay? Dyslexic children learn, um, they need intensive phonics, because they need to learn the rules. They need to get into their little filing cabinet in their brain and they learn multi-sensory with their body. So there are two different ways you could go about that. You can learn Orton Gillingham. You can reach out to the Orton Gillingham um, Society, um, do some research or just email me, Maureen, I'm sorry, M, I'll put it in, in the chat, M Whitman 
at homeschoolconnections.com. And it's W-I-T-T-M-A-N-N. But um, another resource is True North Reading. And I think it's truenorthreading.com. I'll find that too and put that in the chat. Um, she works with older children. It's not exactly phonics, but it's phen- phenomes. And um, she's very successful at working with, with children um, with dyslexia and getting them reading again. And one other resource for special needs is Secret Garden Educational Pathways, right? Is that it? Yes. So, um, right. And then, and also Bloom Mentoring, if you want some uh, one-on-one coaching, I'm sure that Jenny could send you to other good resources. So you can do this, Sherry, you've got it. The one thing I learned with my special needs children was um, usually short lessons when they're younger, uh, 20 minutes, set the timer. After that, I would lose them. So again, um, there may be cases where a child needs to go to school to have the special needs met, but in most cases, they're actually better at home because you can give them one-on-one attention. The key is to educate yourself and learn how to teach them. I would totally agree with all of that. We, we, <laughs> I have I have one um, neurodivergent kid who needs special stuff and special attention yeah. all the time. And um, it's. I talk to a lot of moms, especially kids who homeschool, and they coming out on the other side of it, always say it was the best decision because of that one-on-one and because you know and love your child and are going to advocate for them more than anybody else could. And yes. um, there are definitely, like you said, circumstances where, you know, a school setting is better for some kids, but there's so many resources out now for homeschooling special needs that it can totally be done. We do have a Bloom um, consultant who has been through the Orton Gillingham training and has dyslexic kids of her own and has a very successful journey in that regard. But she'll tell you, and this applies probably to all special needs kids, it takes extra work and it takes extra energy and it takes that devotion to realizing this is something I have to put time and energy and effort into. And in some seasons of life, that's harder for moms to do than others. So it's a discernment, I think, too to figure out, you know, what resources do I need right now for this child that um, we be best, will be best for the family as a whole? Yeah, it, it is hard work. I mean, I'm not going to tell you it isn't. I mean, teaching my son to read um, it was hard work, but it was so fruitful. And we both learned from it. He learned to read, but I also learned patience and kindness. And, you know, I remember my sister who has dyslexia telling my son, you know, your mom's like a race car. Like she's just driving through, getting to where she needs to go, where you and I are old minivans (laughs) (laughs) taking our time, but we're seeing the scenery along the way, you know? So um, just remember, I remember years ago, there was um, a Catholic homeschooling magazine. They had a column called God's Wildflowers. And it was a column about special needs. And what that means is, you know, a wildflower is just as beautiful and smells just as sweet as a cultivated rose. And so just, we need to always look upon these special needs children as special gifts and look for the beauty in the way they learn. So for example, dyslexic children, um, they just learn differently. They can still learn the material, but they have other things that they're really good at that non-dyslexics are not good at. So for example, my son excelled in math. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't remember A said A, but he was doing sixth grade math 
in first grade. So, <laughs> you know, yes. God bless you. And I put a bunch of links for you in the chat, which I think will help you. Definitely. I think that, you yes, know, you need to plan for that. Right. So back to right. our topic. Well, no, <laughs> right? that's what so I was going to say, you know, you need to plan for that. You need to plan for it. And homeschooling a child with special needs is hard. Homeschooling in general has lots of hard. I mean, it's not the easy. Parenting path. is hard. Parenting is hard. Anything. Yes. It's all, <laughs> there's hard work. There's hard times. It takes emotional, it's emotionally draining because it's so dear to your heart because these are your children and they're precious to you. So one thing I want to say about um, planning for that is planning for mom to find the encouragement and the prayer and the friendships and the needs that you have as a mom too. And and it's probably even more important with special needs moms, but just every mom needs to figure out what is it that I need to keep going at this, to be the pleasant mom, to be the mom that can show love and have peace. And so that's one of the things I try to do with my community is be a place that's where we uplift one another, where we connect moms so that we can be um, support to one another and encourage one another. Um, finding moms that are local to you, that's Maureen said in my introduction, I, I just have to host all the things <laughs> because I need, I see the, the incredible blessing of having homeschooling moms, Catholic homeschooling moms, getting together and building relationship amongst each other because right. quite frankly, it's, really, really hard to do by yourself because when you're surrounded by the world, this is not the usual choice. This is it's more common than it used to be, but it's still not what most people do, choose to do. And uh, having the opportunity to, you know, find time in your week, if not in your day for quiet prayer and those uplifting books, cultivating your social media feed so that it is positive and you're not comparing. I saw something today about you know, your Instagram feed and deleting all the people that you want to be just like, because that's, you know, stealing your joy, but doing all the things that will help you mom, taking care of yourself, getting enough sleep, eating the basics (laughs) that are hard as moms, uh, has to be part of planning. When you're planning a day, you have to think through, you know, how am I going to be a a whole person? Um, and I want to, and one other detail about that, we make sacrifices for our kids and our family, and we should, because, Sacrificial love is the highest form of love, but not to the point of just being detrimental to our mental health, not to the point of teaching our children that a mom's job is to just always, is to never do anything for herself or never, you know, do anything that brings her joy. Yeah, don't be, exactly, exactly. If, If you can't do it for yourself because that feels guilty, do it to teach your children how to be moms, teach your girls how to be mom, better moms or teach your boys how to respect their wives and, and give them the time and space that they need sometimes to, you know, have some fun, whether with your kids or not. I, we, as moms, we talk a lot about like getting away from our kids for a break, but like you can have fun the way you want to have fun with your kids too. But um, I think that's important to plan into our days and our years is all those things that bring us joy as moms, as women and, and connect in those ways too. So whether it's a coffee night or mom's Bible study, whatever works. Or planning time. I love your idea of getting together with a girlfriend and the kids go off and play and you plan together. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, even, even planning can be a communal experience. Definitely. And we, 
you know, I, ha- I hosted some watch parties for the homeschool conference, the virtual conference, yeah. and we watched stuff together and talked about it. And it was just very uplifting and, and encouraging. And all you need is one other mom, even if you don't know that you like her that much, you start out with one and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have to start somewhere uh, and, uh, and get that time in. So, um, so that's what I'm, what I'm talking about coming up with, you've got your materials and, and then you're figuring out when you're going to do that. You're looking at your time available time and you're plugging in, you know, what are we going to do when, and you're plugging in meals and naps and snacks and outside playtime and lessons, you know, throughout. And some people like to do that with more of a timestamp so that they can stay on track and that helps them. But for some people that stresses them out if they get off track. So a lot of people like a rhythm better where, you know, we just do like in our house, we do breakfast and chores and school and then lunch and then quiet time. And then if there's any school left, we finish school and then playtime. So we just have like a rhythm rather than set times that it happens. That's how we did it. Well, and, and one other thing too, at least for me, so you need to, I think, kind of look at when do we learn best? So in my homeschool, we learned best in the morning. Um, I found that if we did outside activities in the morning, school just didn't happen that day. So we would get home from that activity and I'm thinking about dinner and, and, you know, getting the kids cleaned up or whatever. So we always did school in the morning and any outside activities had to be in the afternoon. Activities scheduled in the morning, we just didn't do. So I think maybe that's part of planning too. Yes. Just figuring out like what time of day works best for you for different activities or schoolwork or sports, whatever. Definitely. Definitely. Because I know families that get up at 6 a.m. with their children and start school right away because that's when they get the most done and they're done by 10 because they got up. You know, they did that. I know Uh families that do some during the day and then they save some school for the evening when dad comes home because they need, you know, to have that have de- have either dad teach it or have dad take the littles so that they can focus. I mean, there's all kinds of of uh, decisions there that has to be made. There's so, as I said, I can't resist things. I like people and I like going places. I have to discipline myself and say, we can only have two days a week that we go somewhere and do something in a week. Otherwise, <laughs> I will way. go every day. I, you know, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many good opportunities and they're good things for my kids. Yeah. A class, you know, going to mass and going to the science class and going on a nature walk and going to a friend's house. Like I could fill the week with, with all the things PE class, but I have to be more disciplined about like picking and choosing. So we get the schoolwork done. So that's all. One thing we did when we created the grade school program for homeschool connections, Mm -hmm. we did it on a four day week. Mm -hmm. So to give moms kind of that one day, you know, if they want to have like a whole day for going to museums or having family time or co-op or whatever, you know, that's another way to look at it. You know, like maybe it's just morning or maybe it's these four days and one day you have kind of your free day. Mm-hmm. A lot of different ways you could do it. There are. And there just as, just as there are many different ways to schedule a day, there's many different ways to schedule a school year too. Yeah. So, you know, it, most States have some flexibility. The ones I've looked at, even if you have to count days, you have some flexibility in start and end dates and days you take off. And so those are things as homeschoolers, we get to decide and sit down and look at a calendar and figure out, you know, when are we going to take off? When are we going to do school? What are our goals? Are we, do we well, have it does need to be planned? part of our planning. Yeah. Am I expecting a baby in September? Are we going to travel out of town for Christmas? 
Um, does my husband get vacation in March? You know, so I guess we need to, when we're sitting down and planning, we need to look at the calendar yes. for big events to work around in advance so we're not surprised later. Right. It's yeah. And life is full and life is, life can be just, I mean, uh, not as much this past year, but there's lots of things that that, that come <laughs> up, opportunities that crop up that you're like, oh, I want to go do that. But then we give up a day of school. So planning as much as you can ahead of time, thinking through which are the school weeks or having a four day week works really well um, up until, you know, I guess, I, I guess high schoolers could do a four day week, but they'd have really long days and, you know, to yeah. get the work done. But um, thinking that through, thinking, do we take off certain, do we take off holy days of obligation as Catholics? Because where you have to go to mass and that can be disruptive to the day if it's not our usual thing. Um, in our house, we take off birthdays because we usually yeah. celebrate and have a party and go do something fun. Uh, I mentioned before professional development. I think it's important to plan professional development days throughout your homeschool year where you stop and look at how things are going and you can make adjustments at that time if things aren't going great in a certain area. Cause otherwise we're just going, 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 and we don't pause to say what's working. What's not, is this, you know, going to, are we just going to continue to like nosedive because we're just keeping going with something that's not working? Well, and, and what do we are professional educators? We're not just, I hope people say you're just a mom or you're just a homemaker. You're just a homeschooler. We're not just anything, right? We're beautiful creatures made in the image of God, but we're also professional educators, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we should treat ourselves as such. So that made me doing what do professional educators do? They read their journals, you know, so we read, you know, good, Catholic homeschooling blogs or magazines, you know, whatever videos come to the conference. I know people who, you know, they buy the VIP package and they get together with other homeschoolers. So coffee mom, you know, coffee night with homeschool moms might be watching a conference video and then talking about it. There's a group at the conf- at, in the community where they're getting together every week and discussing a different video. That's professional development. It's stopping and pausing and looking at what I'm doing as a professional educator. So that needs to be in it in too. Yes. And those are the things that will build your confidence and your peace because you're talking to other, you're hearing from other homeschooling moms who've done this. You're connecting with other people. You're taking a breath, so to speak, and kind of, you know, feeding your intellect and your, um, your soul really with why am I doing this? It lets you think about the bigger picture. Cause I mean, we're buried in laundry and diapers and cooking, right? And we're just trying to get schoolwork done or we're we're just trying to get our kids interested in some, you know, some school activity or some interesting lesson. But those are all little, little details. And those days and those moments or evenings or whatever they are to stop and think about the bigger picture is super important to not burning out and not giving up and feeling like you're just a failure because you can see it more clearly when you step back. You know, it's that to force for the trees. Right, right. So how do we stay focused to the original plan when we we find ourselves straying way too far? So I think that for me, the more advanced planning I do where I write things out. So I have my, the days we're going to school that year, I have the daily plan of what I think it's going to look like. And then I have my actual lesson plans with on this day we do this and on this day we do that. Um, the more I solidify that, the more I trust it. And the more I fall back on it and say, no, wait, 
you know, back when I sat down to choose this material, I remember praying and discerning and thinking and, and deciding that this was what we needed to do. And I need to trust that and trust myself to, you know, stick with it. Of course, there's times when it's a complete disaster and you have to modify and, and, and change the plan. But for the most part, for me, whenever I've gotten, felt like I'm going to stray and be like, ah, I, I can't do that anymore, or that's not working. Or It's not that I need to make a complete 180 and change everything we're doing. It's like a small tweak would really help. And so these yeah. moments set aside to remember, oh, wait, I thought long and hard about what reading program this child needed. And this is what I chose. So I need to trust the process and trust that, you know, it's going to happen. I also like to remind myself um, of habit research. And habit research says that it takes 21 repeated times of doing something before it becomes natural, becomes a habit. Yeah. And if you mess up once in that 21, you start over. So oh. we're very immediate gratification kind of people, and we would like to see progress right now. But 21 days is like, in schooling is like, you know, four weeks, that's a whole month. And so if I'm not, um, if I'm struggling and I'm like kind of getting off track, I kind of give myself that challenge and say, I'm going to try this for one month more and then give myself permission and schedule a time to say, yeah, things, things need to change. Because usually if I'm straying, it's my own, just like, yeah, I'm not bringing a good attitude to it anymore. It's hard and I'm weary. And, uh, and it's not the material or the lesson or the thing that I'm trying to accomplish with the child. It's more an attitude. You need to make sure you're writing this down in your planner Mm -hmm. and following it, checking it off each day. Now, do you recommend a particular planner, a particular system? Whatever works. (laughs) Um, I think that that every mom's got to figure that out. It's so hard to pick a planner that works for you. Um, but I think that it also doesn't matter all that much. We think it needs to be the perfect fit for us and it has to work perfectly, but we have to just, it's better to just do something rather than stress about making it perfect. Um, I like using, so for years, I don't like doing dates on my lesson plans. I don't like saying on this date, we're going to do this. And on this date, we're going to do this because- Now that's really good, solid advice right there. Yeah, because- Yeah. And the reason is, is because if we didn't do that thing on that date, I failed. And in my mind, that was bad. And I knew that like, we didn't do what we're supposed to do. But when I just don't have the date there and I just have a list of all the things that we're going to do. So when I started out um, needing to do more lesson planning, a wise- Homeschool mom veteran told me to take a book and list the lesson steps, you know, each thing we could do divided by days, but not to put dates, just a day one, day two, day three, whatever. And then um, go through it that way. And then we would just move on to the next thing. And if there was a day when we got everything except science done, then the next day I just did the next, I did that science that was supposed to be that day. So I don't like a planner that has all the things on one day. I like a planner that has all the things in that subject and then a map for me of what we're going to try to accomplish each day. So I might say Tuesday and Thursday or science days and Monday and Wednesday or history days, um, but I'm not going to peg specific dates to that. I have for the past five or six years 
used a website called myschoolyear.com. Oh, I've heard about that. Which is uh, run by a Catholic homeschooling family. Actually, the family, the mom that told me to not put dates on things and to make a list. Um, But they created this lesson planning platform where I could enter in all those things and they would put a date on it and I could print out the week's schedule. But if we didn't get something done and I didn't check it off, I can just click a button that says reschedule and it bumps it to the next. Right. So I did something like that with Scholaric. That was what I used years and years ago, mm-hmm. which is a Catholic yeah. homeschool dad, but it was similar where we could go and it's done virtually. And then yeah, if it didn't get done, you just click a button and it goes to the mm-hmm. next week. And just moves it. Which is no guilt. We have to be careful. <laughs> yeah, no guilt. But then at the end of the year, you're like, ooh, we didn't, you know, uh, do too much. I've also learned um that I can't plan all the way till May. I plan till about March and see what we get done until March. And then somewhere in February, January, February, I'm like, okay, where are we going to finish out? Because then I fill in a little extra at the end in the areas that we moved swiftly and appropriately. And then if we're behind in something, I don't feel quite so devastated that we still have, you know, two months worth of work to do because I have that time. Uh, So, but that's an online version. Uh, I think also having paper is nice for me too. So some people really just want to have the paper and write it all out by hand. I have done the, um, there's a lot of materials that are just do the next thing where it's silly to say, okay, now do lesson two, now do lesson three, now do lesson four and to type all that out. Uh, And so for some of those things, it's just having a list of what are we, you know, do the next thing on that day and say, all you have to write is maybe science. And then you just know, or we'll do the next lesson, whatever the next lesson is. Right. So it, that's why I say the detail depends on you and your needs and your resources and, and what that's going to look like. I know a lot of families love the Seton Home School Planner, which is just a very basic teacher planner. It's called a teacher planner, I think. Yeah. It's very basic blank boxes and you just fill in your subjects and your days and then you just write stuff in. Um, I find One thing I do want to mention is I find it really helpful for my kids, once they can read, to have some sort of list of what they're go- expected, what the plan is for each day yeah. or each week. Because and I'm like checking it off. I'm I like, love checking. Right? I love it. I love checking it off, it off. From, from the computer hand, and they just love making those little check marks and they got it done. <laughs> yeah. And my daughters, as my, not my sons didn't do this, but my daughters, as they got older, they would do their own planning. Mm-hmm. I would basically yeah. say, this is what we're going to do for the year. And every, um, you know, Sunday evening or Monday morning, they would write out their plan for the week and they did it themselves. I didn't do right. it for them. So at some and point that, that does go off your plate. It does. It's lovely when it does. And that's, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly why I like to start them early with that checklist that they get to check off. I've even given, so my youngest is about to be third grade, but because he wants to be like everybody else, he even has his school like list. And basically it had, even before he could read a picture of each of the books that we would use on each Monday and then Tuesday and then Wednesday in a, in a a dry erase sleeve. And he would mark off when he did his handwriting book and when he did his math book and he would mark it off. He loved doing that because it trains them for independence later. And by the time, you know, I have a, a rising fifth grader, he can do like half of his work without me even, and you know, um, 
being involved. He can pick up his list and he knows he just does the next thing in these, these areas and he doesn't need my constant guidance and explanation on those things. When they get to be teenagers, you can have a coffee date and go over their planner with them. And they're when they get mm-hmm. to be more independent learners, because when they go to college, you're not going to be there with them. filling right. out the planner. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to teach right. them independence. How to use their own planner. Yeah. So we're, we're almost out of time. Really quickly, I want yeah. to ask you, I know every family's different. Every child's different. But on average, how much time do you think a child needs to be doing actual schoolwork each day? So grade school versus middle school versus high school. Is that too? That's a good question. It's every child, um, I know, but. Yeah. Every child is different. Parents ask that a lot and that's. A they good do. To address. So I think pre-readers is a different category in elementary. So younger elementary, older elementary. Yeah. So pre-readers um, probably no more than an hour and a half to two hours a day. If you're talking K through whenever they learn to read. Um, I'm a big believer that we push kids to read too much, too early, too soon when they're not ready. Some kids are ready. That's great. But a lot of kids are just not ready till they're seven, eight, nine. And that's okay. Better late than early. Yes. But um, so those pre-readers, an hour and a half, two hours, because you have to pretty much be with them the whole time. Um, And you have to be one-on-one with them because they can't read and they can't do much without you. They could do some, but not much. Uh, later elementary, so probably third, fourth grade into middle school, maybe sixth grade. Uh, let's see, my son, maybe three or four hours a day of actual work, work, but that does include breaks. So he's kind of, and then once they get into later middle school and high school, I would say it moves up to more like four to six hours for my big kids that they're really spending on their, on their schoolwork and, and working. So there's not an eight to three or nine to three for anybody really. Right. It doesn't take as much time as being in a brick and mortar school. You know, we're not taking attendance. We're, we're only addressing one child and not 20 different learning styles. And yeah. And I think it's uh, one key thing to think of with that. Yeah. Is they have a classroom and they have a classroom throw of 30 kids. And if you take the number of minutes they have in the day with those 30 kids and you divide it by 30 kids, it's like less than an hour. Right. So right. You have to realize yeah. that when you're working one-on-one with a kid, that it's going to go faster and that, and that it should. Um, but also sometimes the time factor depends on their virtues and their character and their ability to, you know, cooperate and do what's needed done. So it's a really good question. And that's why it varies kid to kid. Now you're working on some materials, uh, right, to help people plan? Yes. So I have all these questions that I ask myself and I am throwing together some worksheets that you can fill out and go through kind of these questions and these steps um, and take you through the, you know, what do I know? What do I want? What do, how, when am I going to homeschool? All those things. So I will throw those up on my website as soon as they're ready, hopefully in the next week. Uh, I have a retreat this weekend. I'm doing a great day. So that's taken my priority, but, um, but yeah, I'll have those. So if you want a copy of those, or if you want to know when those are available, sign up for my email list on my website, which is heartofamother.net. And the easiest way to find the sign up is go to heartofamother.net, scroll all the way to the bottom of that first page. And it says, sign up for my email newsletter. And I will make sure to let you guys know when that's available. Just a little download for you guys to, to, to help you go through kind of all the things I've talked about. 
Yep. So I've, yeah, I've used some of Jenny's um, tools like this in the past. So it's going to be very helpful. So I do highly recommend getting on that email list. Um, another resource that Jenny mentioned at the beginning was um, Paula has an article in a planning guide at the community that you can you can go read and download. So um, I think Jay can put that in chat for us and we can include that in any show notes. Um, also, I highly, highly recommend if you have not already, get the VIP pass at catholichomeschoolconference.com. That VIP pass is a collection of all the talks from this year's conference, including uh, talk by Jenny and just other fabulous Catholic homeschool speakers. They're going to help you homeschool effectively. Um, there's also a talk in there on um, teaching teenagers how to plan uh, from Tammy Parker. And there's also bonus items worth over $100, including a free online class with um, Perusia. Academy. So the FBIP pays for itself. So that's just a resource out there for you. Um, it's a, just a great tool. So, you know, we're, we're almost out of time here, Jenny, but before we say goodbye, do you have last thoughts for us? What, what would you like to leave on today? Uh, well, two things. One is the, um, someone asked about the difference in planning for high school. And that is a big difference. There's, you know, with the credits and stuff, we have a zoom call on my YouTube channel, which I know the YouTube channel is in the chat somewhere. It's also on my website linked um, on where to find me, but we had a whole detailed hour long conversation about how to plan for high school on there. So that's a resource along with those other things. But really what um, kind of what I said in the beginning is that we think about the lesson plans and the daily schedule and the, what am I going to do at nine o'clock and 10 o'clock? And how am I going to get my kids to finish their math on time? And we think about all those things and they are important things to think about, but what's most important is to take the time to think of the big picture first. Why am I homeschooling? What is my goal here? And make sure that the decisions we make about our schedule, about our curriculum, are all in line with that bigger picture. What do I know about my family? What do I know about my kids? And because all the choices that we make, all the books that we choose and the schedule that we choose, we can make anything work. You can adapt. I mean, we're very adaptable humans. We can kind of pick up a book and make it work, but it will go better and you will feel better if you have that um, kind of that long vision of, my kids' education and their souls are the most important thing in this homeschooling. And I don't want to do anything in this decision process. I don't want to do anything to compromise the relationship that we have and the love that we share and that I want to show them. And so, because homeschooling is an act of love. It is a way to show our children how much we love them. And so keeping in mind that is super important and praying about it so that we don't lose track of those big, big picture things. Uh, we'll make all of the nitty gritty go better. Amen. Thank you so much. Oh gosh. So this was just a wonderful talk. Thank you, Jenny. I just so appreciate your time with us. Everyone, you can find Jenny online. You can visit her at heartofamother.net. Um, you can visit her um, homeschool coaching service at bloomhomeschooling.com. Um, you can find her on Facebook, on YouTube. She's just everywhere. And and always, always, she's in our community and part of our conference. So just thank you again, Jenny, for all that you do for the Catholic homeschooling community. Um, 
and thank all of you who joined us today and who are watching this video. Just take care and God bless you and God bless your homeschool. Thank you so much. You're welcome.